as for us. So welcome David back. Marcus. Hey, hey. So I got to tell you about something. Can you put up the, the Dads at Dave's slide? I got to tell you about a little, little deal that dropped into my ear about six years ago. Um, I work with children. I'm a children's pastor. One of these days when I get my GED, I think they're going to upgrade me, but um, it's never as quick as you think it's going to be. Um, so, but I love kids. I love parents. And I just wanted to do something with dads. I'm like, wow, if I could connect with dads, not like I'm the perfect dad or have all the answers, but if I could connect with dads, um, that would be like doing kids ministry at a core level. Like, uh, man, yeah, who's teaching us to be a good husband, be a good dad. And, um, you know, a lot of us don't have positive role models or even had a well upbringing, you know, that we can bank on or look to. So, uh, so I had this idea, um, ooh, dad's at Dave's. I'm like, wow, does that sound corny? You know, like, oh, that sounds fun. Let's go to dad's at Dave, you know? And uh, so I just, you know, I put it on my stack of, you know, 50 other ideas of something that might happen someday. You know, like, well, yeah, I kind of, I like getting out of the church building. I like, I mean, a lot of dudes just do, they don't want to go to the church. I've been hurt by the church. I don't believe in God. God is, they got all kinds of ideas and they don't want to come to the church, but they will come um, to like some dude's house. And so I'm like, I can be that dude. And so I talked to my wife into letting me reorganize the garage, putting some couches and we got some old restaurant booths from Taco John's and, um, and I'm like, I'm going to try this. What is Dad's at Dave's? What does that look like? And so I talked to Sarah, my wife, and uh, I said, well, I don't know. I said, well, I don't want to do it at night because that conflicts with people's family stuff. And all, maybe we could do it in the morning, you know, and okay. Well, we like good, strong coffee. We can make some of that action. So I get all this word out and everything. I'm like, okay, hey, it's May 2013. Like, May's got five Wednesdays. Let's do it every Wednesday in May. All right. Okay, we'll do that. We'll do Dad's at Dave's, whatever the heck that is. So I get out the word, I invite people, invite our neighbors. From, for an hour uh, on my front patio, me and five people awkwardly sat there and drank a pot of coffee. Hi, this is Roger, my neighbor. Oh, hi, and this is, this is Bob. Yeah, our kids go to school together. So <laughs> this is, uh, yeah, this is a dude. Yeah, we go to church together. <laughs> okay, I don't want to be around that guy, uh, you know. And, and so here we are just sitting around there, and I'm trying to make these awkward introductions, you know. So we're, I mean, we slammed a lot of coffee that day just to kind of ease the pain. So I'm like, okay, good. Four Wednesdays to go. You know, this is our commitment. Every Wednesday in May. So the next Wednesday, five different guys show up. <laughs> so I'm getting good at awkward, you know, and so here we are, you know, connecting and, um, uh, well, uh, then one of the guys like, this is cool. I'm going to, are you doing this again next week? I said, yeah, we got three more weeks of this thing. And I'm thinking, and we are done, you know, and uh, <laughs> yeah. So the next, uh, next week, 15 guys showed up and, um, um, one of the guys is, he's like, he caught me. He's like, dude, I can't come to your house at 6.30. He's like, I got to be on the job at 6.30. Um, you know, we're contractors. We're builders. You know, we got stuff going on, heavy equipment. We're, we're getting 12-hour days in. I said, what time would you come? 5.30? <laughs> I'm just backtracking. I got to wake up at 4 to start the coffee pot and get things ready. Okay. All right. 5.30 next week. You be here. So 5.30, I mean, it's pitch black outside. 
we get a fire going out in the driveway. And at 5.31, this dump truck pulls up. This crane pulls up. This guy with this big bobcat on a trailer pulls up. And a school bus pull up in my, on the front. And I live on a side street in a neighborhood. I mean, I live like right here. I mean, it's that kind of neighborhood. And, uh, I mean, these things are blocking the sunrise, you know. And, um, and these guys are coming out here. They're tending to the fire. They're pounding down coffee. I mean, they're drinking scorching hot coffee just like, bam, bam, like shots. And I'm like, you're more manly than I'll ever be. You know? <laughs> so I had to act all blue collar, you know. And, uh, well, this thing started happening. And, uh, well, the next week, 30 guys came. So we're four weeks into this thing. There's 30 guys hanging out. And... Um, some of these guys are third shifters. They're like, can you make it go a little later? I don't know. So I'm like, hey, it's one more week, dudes. Next week is the last week. 50 dudes show up on May 30th or whatever it was, 2013. And I'm like, wow, we have stumbled onto something here. And it was a party. I think a lot of parties that people throw, especially Christian people, are pretty boring and weird and awkward parties um, because we're like trying to be cool, but we're not. And uh, I just like to party. I just like to be with people. I like to rock and roll. I enjoy hanging out. And we started something like that. And so these guys, uh, they're like, no way, this is the last day. This is the last day. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, hey, it's cool. Hey, maybe we'll start it up again in the fall. So that night, Wednesday night, I'm at the dinner table, and um, all the families there, the kids, and, and Sarah and I are just kind of like relieved, like, yeah, we did it. I think we did good. Um, and I told the kids, I said, well, this is the last dads at Dave's. Uh, and the kids are like, what do you mean? They said, you've got to keep this going. I said, what? I said, our Tuesday nights are completely gone with shopping and preparation. Wednesdays, we're not even available. You guys, you can finally have your garage back. Every one of our kids are like, Dad, every week I go out there. I see my teachers there from school. I saw the principal from my school there. Dad, my friends' dads come to this thing, and they don't have friends. They're like, I don't know what this is, but you've created something pretty amazing, and we, we shouldn't stop. I said, I'm looking at Sarah, and we're like, I was not expecting this. I was like, hey, thanks, kids. We did the experiment. And they're like, we got to keep this going. So, I, so we continued it through June. We did four more Wednesdays. And this thing just grew. And then some of the local car clubs uh, and car collectors came, and, and, and they're spreading the word. And so we got this like, little county fair on my front lawn. <laughs> and now we're making 300 cups of coffee every Wednesday morning. Just this last Wednesday, we had our fall kickoff. I mean, there were 60, 70 guys there. Um, and it is amazing. It's just a place for dudes to hang out. There's a guy that came, and he's just like, Dave, just so you know, I hate men's ministry. <sighs> okay. But I love coming here. I said, well, what's the difference? He's like, well, men's ministry is like name tags and book studies and attendance. He's like... This is just like coming to a high school bash. He's like, everyone's got a cup and a drink in their hand. Nobody knows what's going on and nobody really cares. And we're cranking some good music. He's like, I like coming here. So he drives 40 minutes down after his third shift every week before he goes to bed. He comes down and hangs out with us. And he's meeting guys that he met in high school. I'm like, wow, all right, this is cool. 
some guy pulls up on his Harley uh, last fall, and he comes up the driveway, and uh, he's just 60-year-old man, just ready to hurt somebody, you know? Um, not that that's typical of Harley riders, but uh, it can be. But, uh, but I'm, and he's just kind of cupping up the driveway. What the hell is going on here? And I was just like, oh man, KGB has arrived. And he would not come into the garage. He's like, is this your place? And I said, yeah. He's like, I was just coming home from the dentist and I saw the sign. What do you want? <laughs> I said, dude, I don't want nothing. I want you to come in and eat. Ah, he's standing right at the threshold of the garage. I see. So he goes, I don't know, the next thing I knew, I got engaged in a conversation. Boom, I came out and he's gone. I'm like, dang it. That's a perfect guy to have here. Fifteen minutes later, I see him walking up the driveway again. He's got another, he's got another Harley with him. He went home and got his neighbor. He come back. He's like, this is great. This is great. You got to meet this guy. This guy owns this place. He comes right into the garage. He's like, this is great. He's just going up to these guys in the garage. He's like, this is great. And so he's coming over here, and he's just excited to be there. He's now, he's my biggest promoter. So now we got these guys from all over the neighborhood on the east side of Madison. You know, started off as a, as a little pot of coffee. And now here we got people from coming from all over to just hang out on a Wednesday morning before work. It doesn't conflict with their family time. Um, no one's getting hammered and driving home. Uh, and it's just a great oasis for guys to hang out. And so... It's one of those things that I thought was silly, I thought was kind of dumb, I thought it was just my neat idea, and here I am throwing a party. But you know what? It's an idea that God put in my head. And it was just time to pull the trigger, and I did, and now we're three years in, and it is, it is a great deal. And it's just a, it's a great place. Old guys feel young, misfits feel cool. I mean, everybody belongs, and there's just enough room for Jesus to move around and make connections and love on people and heal people and just let people know that they matter. And it's a blast. So you're sitting around the fire, you know, and there's guys over here on my right, they both, you know, roll their own cigarettes. So they're sitting there and they're, they're talking about how they roll their cigarettes and what methods they use and stuff. And um, it's, oh, you got to see this machine I got. And I'm talking about these guys are over here um, talking about the the dart league that they're in, you know, and you know, oh, F and this and F and that. Oh, yeah, you got, oh, man, you know, they're over here. Guys on the other side of the fire pit are talking about Sunday's sermon, you know. Uh, there's a guy in the garage um, on his 12th cup of coffee praying for some dude, you know, and the whole time Guns and Roses is just cranking out, you know, on the whole property, you know, and there's hot rods all over the place. Guys walking their dogs are coming in, um, you know, guys riding their bicycles. We had 10 motorcycles there the other day. People are just coming. And here I am on a side street in a little neighborhood with a silly little idea that was God's idea. I just want to encourage you, if you've got a silly little idea, if you feel like something has been whispered into you or a dream that you have or something that you didn't even want to do but you think God might be whispering for you to do something, start something, take a risk, step out, Dude, do it. If you're married, get your wife's permission, especially if it's going to cost time and money. <laughs> she needs to agree. But do it. It might seem silly and ridiculous and pointless, and it might just seem like your own neat little idea. You know what? Take a shot, because you're going to impact people that I will never meet. 
And you're going to have an influence in people's lives that I will never see. And it just might be your little piece of the puzzle that God is just waiting for you to put into play. So that's how that deal started. And then here we are. And it's just a good time. Now there's one in Monona, Wisconsin. They call it uh, Men in the Morning. And it's right on a fish. So these guys go out and back by a pond and they fish. And they drink coffee and they tell stories. There's another one in Delafield, Wisconsin that started from a guy that came over here. Um, guys in the garage. And so he's got, his, he's got this car lift. And so they've got their own version of this going on. And it's just a place for dudes to hang out. Maybe you got a house. Maybe you got a place that you can create a little space like this. I'll tell you what, I don't know. It's a great way to meet your neighbors. And it's a great way just to create space for people just to come and hang out. These guys come. And it's so disarming. None of them are coming, acting like they've got it all together. We're all messed up. And it's like I had this vision of these dudes that come. I mean, there are 15-year-olds and there are 85-year-olds coming every week. And there's so much pain that they're carrying because we carry pain. But nobody's, nobody's saying, dude, what happened to you? Or, wow, you're messed up. Or, why are you here? We're all kind of misfits ourselves. We're on the island of misfit toys, man. And here we are just coming up to the well to be loved and accepted and affirmed. You know what? It's just a great place to do it. So that's just a little bit of history. Mark's been talking a lot about dads at Dave's a little bit. And I just wanted to kind of give you a little bit of history there. And it's just something, something small that God put into play. And now, now I can't control it. And it's pretty cool. So it's a good time. That's dads at Dave's. I went to Prospect High School, graduated in 1987, or as my kids would say, Dad graduated in the 1900s. <laughs> and uh, freshman year I went there and I was kind of a slow developer, I mean, you know, like I was in middle school, I was the one that looked like a third grader while there were girls that looked like they were 21, you know, and I was that kid, you know. Um, still skinny enough to get thrown into a locker, um, that was proven. And um, so I went into, but I like to draw. And so I took this drafting class at Prospect when I was a freshman, Mr. Nocella. And uh, man, I liked this class. I could draw. I was using the stuff that I was good at. I was learning how to draw and learning how to do perspective drawings and airbrushing. And I was, it, was, it was great. Um, and I was just pretty scared to be in high school, but pretty excited about this drawing class. Well, the summer between my freshman and sophomore year, I just, I just, I think I just got hooked up with some, some wrong friends um, that were just punks. They were thieves. They, they partied at their parents' house when they were gone and, and whatever, like, ooh, but you know what? But I mean, stuff like, and I just kind of wanted to be cool, so I went along with them. And we'd get in trouble and we'd do these things and I did all this stuff so my parents wouldn't find out, you know, and it was just, I was just trying to find myself, but I was doing it for the wrong reasons and I was like trying to be cool to these guys that were losers. It was like, why am I even doing this? Well, by the time sophomore year started, I had this total edge on my shoulder and I was a different person. And I took Mr. Nocella's next class, architectural drawing. Oh, I was excited about that. But I went in there, and, and he's this tall man with this gentle voice, but he had authority, and he had hands that were like this. And, uh, 
And he, you know, Bechtol, he would always call me Bechtol. And I just, he had this affection for me, like this really caring thing. And I just liked the class. I liked him and I liked drawing. But I come back to school and I, I got into that class and, and I was just angry. I was just angry at authority. My heart had gotten hard and cold. I was, I was just a punk. And uh, there was this girl that sat next to me and I was just kind of making fun of the stuff that she was trying to do because it came so easily for me and then I was, I accidentally knocked some, some of her stuff and it fell on the floor and broke one of her pieces of equipment. And um, she went down to pick it up, and I didn't even care. It was just my way of saying, just, everyone just leave me alone. Mr. Nocella said, Bechtol? I didn't even look at him. I didn't want, I didn't care what he had to say. I was in my own little world of hateful angst, and I was happy there. Then I knocked this other dude's thing off next to me and I just didn't like him. He was preppy. He wore his collar up. Man, I don't got time for that. I'm gonna break something of yours too. Mr. Nocella comes up to me. I said, Bechtol? What's going on? And I turned around, I'm like, I'm ready to fight. Don't ask me what's going on. But I didn't even want to turn around. I didn't give him the time of day. And he comes and leans up over me. <laughs> I can smell his cologne now. I can. And he puts these big hands on me. And he should have just wrung my neck. And he put this hand on my shoulder, on my back. And he said, Bechtol, is everything okay? I melted. He did not give me what I deserved. He just said, with this soft and firm touch, Bechtol, is everything okay? And man, everything in me was fighting like I was getting teared up, and I just, it's like, who gave this man permission to show me love? But he did. He saw past my stupidity and my angst and my 14, 15 year old trying to figure out who the heck I was. And he said, is everything okay? And he knew the answer. And I sat there and I received that love. And I don't know if he's even still alive, but I would love to find him and tell him that is a moment in my life that I was influenced by somebody that didn't give me what I deserved. But there was grace and mercy and hope for a young and stubborn man that was just broken in 10 seconds. And he knew me by name and he had the power to crush me and he loved me. I just say that because 
you guys have the opportunity to be that for somebody. You have the opportunity to give love and extend mercy to people that you don't even like, to bullies, to people that don't even care what you think. You could be the one that breaks that hardness of their heart and influences them in such a way that changes the course of their destiny forever. I just want you to think about right now. Think about, think about someone that you don't like. I don't point. Okay, here's the painful part. What if? What if? What if I showed them love? I wouldn't be surprised if some of us are thinking about our wife right now. And that's not a joke. If you're a married man right now, I want to tell you that to not treat your wife like she deserves. You treat her how you've been called to treat her, to honor her, to cherish her, to respect her, and to love her. And if you married the wrong person, well, shame on you. That's your dumb fault. But now she's yours. And you need to woo her back with unconditional love and acceptance and forgiveness, regardless of what she does to you or the kids or how she's treated you or what you've done, what shrapnel has been exchanged in your arguments. There's three sides to every story, your side, her side, and the truth. And none of us in this room are innocent. I just want to say that if you've got some business to take care of at home, let it first be taken care of in your heart. While we were still sinners and selfish, Jesus died for the ungodly. He came and approached us with his love, and we didn't even deserve it. God's inviting us to love our wives as Jesus loves the church. Ah. We just went down to Branson, Missouri for our anniversary in August, and uh, oh, it was a fun time. But we stayed at this resort, and everywhere you go to the resort, they've got this... Um, this shuttle system. So you just call, you know, hi, hey, I need a shuttle to, to the spa. I need a shuttle to this pool. You know, and they got pools all over the place and condos and everything. And it's just great everywhere you go. But then you get on the, the bus and, you know, and so you're taking these shuttles everywhere you go and you don't even need a car. And, and these bus drivers all have this little tip jar in there, you know, and oh, so then I'm like, oh, I don't have any singles, you know. So, uh, so then you're kind of like talking, and it's like, well, I don't even have any tip money, so I'm not gonna just, I'm just not gonna talk to this bus driver, you know. That way, I don't feel obligated to give a tip, and you know, and I mean, gosh, this guy takes thousand people around every day, you know. Well, last year I realized that I, those awkward moments, you know, where it's just like I wanted to tip the guy. So this year we came and we brought uh, 50 singles, uh, and so uh, every time I got on the bus, as soon as I walked onto the bus, as I said hi to the bus driver, I just put a dollar right in the cup. And, uh, and it was so fun. I'm like, this is great. And most of these bus drivers are really good and really friendly, but there were some that were just having a crappy day and they were letting it spew all over us. I'm like, dude, on my way out, I'm gonna take that dollar and two more, you know? And, um, but it was just, it was cool because I could see when you get on the bus, you know, sit down, Waldo, you know, you get on the bus and, and this guy's just in a bad mood, but before I even say hello, before I even introduce myself, or before I even give him a chance to prove that he's a good bus driver, 
I'm putting money right in there. I've already decided ahead of time that I'm going to invest into this person and I'm going to thank them for what they're giving to me. Well, you know, that made it a fun week. And I had like 10 singles left. I'm like, honey, let's just call the shuttle just because I, got, I still got 10 more rides in me. You know what I mean? And it was just so fun to actually give to people before they even had a chance to prove themselves, before they even had a chance to deserve the tip. It's just good. Just little ways that you can influence people in the way that Jesus has influenced me. He gives before we deserve it. And then I live my life not to earn his favor, but to thank him for the favor that he's given me by knowing his son. Well... Ah, this morning we talked about getting ready. Now, it's time to let's go. Let's go do it. Let's go. Get going. It's probably not dad's at Dave's, but whatever it is for you, I want to encourage you to step out. I got a call last night at 9 o'clock from this guy I know from California. He said, hey, he was just checking in with me. I don't know. I haven't talked to him in six months. I'm like, well, why are you calling me? Usually if someone calls instead of text or email, that something's wrong. Oh, man, someone's wasting the time to actually call. <laughs> hey, what's up? What can I do for you? He's like, nothing. I just wanted to say, hey, and I appreciate what you're doing and glad you're my friend. I'm like, wow. He said, can I pray for you? I'm like, yeah. I told him about this influence seminar deal. He's like, that's cool. You get to be with your dad and your brothers. That's cool. So he prays for me and prays for this day over the phone. And I'm like, cool. I said, I said, hey, can I pray for you? And he's kind of like a little mentor to me. So I'm a little shy, like praying for the one who kind of helped teach me how to pray. Hey, can I pray for you? He's like, yeah. I take a deep breath. And I don't even know where this question came from. I said, I said, is there something wrong with one of your ears? And he said, yeah. He's like, my right ear has been killing me, and I don't know what's going on. He said, how'd you know that? I said, I don't know. I don't even know why I asked that question. I said, can I pray for your ear? Yeah. He said, let me put my cigar down. <laughs> so I prayed for his ear. Then we hung up. I get a text this morning from him. He's like, that was good. I don't know what happened, but that was good. You know, what if praying just isn't one-sided? What if it really is a conversation? What if God really has some things to say? This guy came into my garage this summer. Uh, I don't know, guy in his 60s. He comes riding up on this moped. I mean, they're making some pretty sweet mopeds these days. He comes riding up, and he's, I'm, I'm just in my garage working on something, hanging out. And he's like, hey. I don't know if you remember me, but I've been at your breakfasts a couple times. And like, yeah, what's up, John? And uh, he's like, oh, I just thought I'd come by and say hi. I noticed you weren't around, just making sure you're doing okay. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. We're just killing it for the summer and going to do it again in the fall. Oh, okay. Well, I was, I missed a few because I had to go in for surgery. I tore this, da-da-da, and he's telling me about this stuff. And it's like, and they went in, they're going, I'm going through some therapy, but they really don't have a, a solution for it. It's just going to have to live with it and... Okay, so he's sitting here, we're sitting in my garage, and he's telling me his tales of woe, and I'm, you know, the good Christian in me is thinking, dude, I got a lawn to mow. I got a lawn to mow. <laughs> Can we move this along? You don't know. So he's sitting in my garage, and we're having a drink, and he's like, well, I suppose I should, I should go. And 
And I'm thinking, pray for him. Pray for him. Oh, man, this guy doesn't want me to pray for him. I'm going to freak this guy out. He's never going to come back. Pray for him. So he gets up, and he's ready to walk out the garage. And I'm like, hey, John, well, dude, thanks for stopping by. All right, Dave. John. Yeah. Can I say a prayer for your shoulder? Okay. <laughs> okay. I put my hand on his shoulder and I just said, God, would you heal John's shoulder? And would you make yourself known to him? Amen. See you later, dude. <laughs> I ran this way, he ran that way. And boom, you know, I hadn't seen him in a couple months. Wednesday morning, this last Wednesday morning, I'm, I'm restocking the Dunkin' Donut stash and I get a tap on my shoulder behind me. And uh, I mean, the garage is just jammed. I mean, it's just, you, you gotta work to even just talk to each other because I mean, we're just, it's alive. And uh, I turn around and here's, and here's John looking at me like this. I, it's one of those deals where are you gonna hurt me or what's gonna happen here, you know? And, and, and he, he said, it worked. And then he walked away. And that's the last I saw of him. You know what? I didn't want to pray for him. I didn't want to freak him out. But it was one of those things I'm like, hey, I've got him here. I've always thought that sharing my faith had to be this big plan and I had to have this big story and I had to have Bible verses and I had to hit people with my Bible on occasion for it to really be effective, you know. And, and I had grown up just seeing some of that stuff and it just kind of made me sick. It's like, man, that's not real life. That's messed up. Who's going to come to your religion or your church or your faith with all that going on? But I figure if we could just invite God into the conversation, and maybe God will say, pray for him. Maybe God will say, dad's at Dave's. Maybe God will say, why don't you love that person instead of plotting their death? Oh. Well, here's how I share my faith these days. It is as simple as this. Can I say a prayer for you? That's it. Let me tell you how that's sharing my faith. When I say, can I say a prayer for you, that is telling you, I believe in God. I believe in prayer. I believe that God hears our prayer. I care about you. I believe that God cares about you. I believe that God cares about you so much that he can actually hear what we're praying. And I believe that God cares enough to maybe even say yes to what we're asking him. I'm... All of those things are being said when I'm just saying, can I say a prayer for you? And they don't always say yes. And it's still awkward for me. But I'm like, you know what? I don't got the answer to your problems, but I can pray for you because I found the one who does and I found the one who is the answer. I found the one who satisfies my soul deeper than anything I've ever tried. And it's not a thing. It's a man. His name is Jesus. Okay. So here we are. Gathering in community is important. We've got to gather ourselves together. We've got to gather our thoughts and figure out our game plan. Well, like I said before, our game plan is not to create this perfect plotted out strategy to influence people. I want to recommend that our game plan is to get close to God so that we can feel and know his leading when we're with the people that he cares for. 
Some of you that were at my workshop last year heard this, or this analogy, but I, this is just very simple. If you're, if you're on the back of your thing, I just want you to write down the word help, H-E-L-P. And each letter stands for something. And this is, this is just a simple way that I engage people. So you can write it down, H-E-L-P, if you want. And this is just, these are ways that I have learned to care about people in a way that will actually really help them. They don't need Dave as a fun friend or someone to make them laugh once in a while. Or They need Jesus. They need something bigger than what I can offer. And they need something way bigger than what we can offer. H, I just say hi. H is for hi. Hey, hi. Yo, that would be Yelp. Um, but a question that I ask is, how's your day going? It's not saying, hey, how's everything going? Wife and kids good? Yeah, hey, doing well in school? Great. You know, I, like people that come to you like that, I'm like, I'm going to hurt you because you're not even giving me a room to give a bad answer. H, hi. E is encourage them. Hey, dude, I like that shirt. Well, that's a little weird. Um, but uh, hey, someone's got a tattoo? Dude, nice tat. Where'd you get your ink done? Tell me about that. Tell me your story. What's up? Hey, bro, nice ride. That is a cool car. Just encourage them. Just notice something about them. You know, we, we like our stuff. And it's nice to, when someone else affirms it. So hi, encourage. And then L is listen. Just listen. Yeah, yeah, well, I got this thing done. Yeah, we were, oh, man, let me tell you the story about that. And then, you know, oh, I really wanted to get that hard with the, with the arrow because the arrow was my grandpa, you know, and it's just, that's cool. And as you're listening, you're learning about their life, about their story, about their journey, and all this stuff can happen in 30 seconds. And again, it's not a strategy or a process or a, a bait and switch deal. It's just if you really care about people, then prove it. And then P is I just... Sometimes we'll just say, hey, can I pray? Just pray. Can I say a prayer for you? Hey, dude, sorry, I heard about your grandpa dying. That had to be rough. Can I say a prayer? Yeah. Pray for my grandma because she's taking it hard. Let's do it. So that's it. Hi, encourage, listen, and pray. Those are, those are simple things that can connect with anybody. But it doesn't always work. And this is the part where you grow. Growing when things don't work. So I'm in Schlotzky's Deli. I don't know if you guys got those around here, but man, that's a killer sandwich. Should be for $14. Um, so I'm sitting here hanging out with this guy, and, uh, and there's this guy a few tables over. He's kind of getting up to one of the pub tables, and, um, and he's a younger guy. And he, I see him kind of getting up into one of the chairs, and he's like, mm, I just saw him like in all this pain just trying to sit up on the chair. And, so I'm talking to my friend, and I'm like, I'm totally thinking about this dude over there. I'm like, oh, I'm empathizing with this pain, and I just feel bad for him. I said, I said, hang on a second. So I, I go up to this, this guy at the other table, and I said, hey, hey, dude. I said, I noticed, I noticed it was pretty painful to get up there. I said, what's up with that? And he just went on to tell me how I was, he was overseas and just how something happened. And he's like, yeah, they're not even sure what's going to happen. I don't know if I'm going to always walk with the lip. He's like, yeah, but it sucks. It's painful. And I said, man, I said, I'm sorry. I said, hey, could I say a prayer for your, for your hip? <laughs> no, thank you. No, thanks, dude. <laughs> okay, I see what this is all about. No, thanks. 
I said, I said, I said, no problem. And uh, he's like, did my sister send you here? <laughs> I said, no. He's like, he's like, he's like, oh man, because she's been wanting to pray for me too, you know. And he's like, no, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. I'm like, awesome. Um, I said, well, hey, just for the record, I probably will be praying for you, even if it's not here. He's like, yeah, you and my sister both, you know, and uh, so we kind of get a little smile, and I went back to my table, and one of my biggest fears in life has been rejection. Whoa. That's why I hated to share my faith, because I didn't want people to think I was weird. Then I realized I am weird. But I really care about people, and people respond to being cared about. And I'll tell you what, I gave that guy something to think about. I was a Christian that went up to him, offering what I had. He said, no thanks, dude. And I said, no problem. Catch you later. I know too many Christians that would have said, brother, you don't know what you're missing here. You can't pass this up. It's the word of the Lord. I mean, uh, that's one way to get shot in a Schlotsky's <laughs> deli. Hey, if you're going to practice this stuff, there's going to be some times where it seems like an epic fail. And your heart is going to be challenged. You're like, oh, I'm never doing that again. I'm not going to risk being hurt again. Okay, fine. I'm just glad Jesus didn't say that when he died for us. So those are the parts where you grow. So I'm a children's pastor. And here I am in our lobby at our church on a Sunday morning. And, and I'm over here uh, hanging out, you know, by the cheap, church coffee, you know, and, uh, and this family comes in on the other side, and, and so these kids just love me. I'm Pastor Dave, man, you know, and so, um, uh, so I'm sitting here talking with one of my, you know, volunteers. He's a young guy, and, uh, and this family comes in from way across the room, and, and this, this little boy, he like pulls at his dad's thing, and he points to me, and his dad's like, yeah, go ahead. So he, this boy's coming, booking across here, man, to give Pastor Dave, some loving, you know, and, and so here I am, I'm talking with my volunteer, and, and I'm seeing this kid out of the corner of my eye, and, and here he comes bolting right up to me, and I, and I kneel down and just to get ready to receive this, and this kid just comes right up and whoosh, totally hugs my volunteer. And he's like, Andre, I missed you. And man, in that moment, I am offended. Hey, hey, hey. I am the children's pastor. He's just a volunteer. Does anybody think that I deserve this attention? I mean, in that split second, and then, and then in a split second later, I felt God confronting me. He said, that's the paycheck. Are you willing to give your life in such a way so that someone else would get the attention? And that challenged me, man. I mean, in that moment, I was mad at this volunteer. I was mad at this kid for not hugging me. And I was offended because of my own personal pride and insecurities. Well, how silly is that? And God revealed to me in that moment that my job is to live my life so that other people see the value that they have and that so Jesus looks good. Ooh. I like living my life so that I was the center of attention. Tell you what, if we're going to have an influence of eternal value... We're going to need to live our lives so that Jesus becomes a center of attention. And it's not in the way that you think it's going to be. My poor mailman. 
when we lived here, I was at, I didn't work, I used to work at Bussy Car Wash, and I didn't go in until the afternoon, so every time our mailman would come over, I was the only one home, and I was so excited about Jesus and church that I just wanted to tell everybody, but I didn't know how to do it. I was just some young punk, hey Spike, hey Spike, want to play ball, Spike? Yeah, shut up. I was Spike, or I was the, I was the happy, you know, Odie little puppy, and our, our mailman would come, and every day I would go out there and I would talk to him and I would just want to be really kind and nice to him and then I would try to get God and Jesus and church into the conversation so that he would just miraculously, oh, Dave, tell me about this church of yours. Tell me about this God by which you speak. Well, what I noticed was that every time he, he started parking on the next block, and he would wait till I was gone, till he would start coming into the mail. And he would just, I mean, when I would open up the door, he would bolt to the next house. I'm like, oh, well, he just might, just might not be ready for all that God has for him. You know what? I wasn't ready to give God in a way that was actually real easy for people to pick up on. I was Mr. Church guy trying to get him to my thing. And I didn't realize that all I need to do is represent Jesus to people with his love. So I'm scaring people away by trying to tell them about God. You know, on an airplane, they say, if you're going to help your, in the case of an emergency, take care of yourself and put your own mask on before beginning to help others. If we're not taking care of ourselves and we're not growing ourselves, then it's going to be difficult for us to help other people in a way that's meaningful. I'm going to invite you guys, if you need just to stand up for a second and stretch, because... Man, this last session, this is, this is painful. I get to at least move around. Um, I'm undiagnosed ADD. I was ADD before it was invented. <clears throat> so like my daughter, you know, I was telling you, just laying with her with that stubbed toe, sometimes you just got to be there. That woman at the coffee shop, I just gave her her space. Sometimes you just need to be there and trust that being there is enough. And if your job is to be close to God, well, then God's going to let you know if it's time for the conversation to go further. So I gave up my strategies and my plans, and I just started reading my Bible and asking God to use me. And that's what's been happening. Then go. Gather, gather your thoughts, gather information about people. Grow. Don't be afraid of the hiccups and the failures and the mistakes that you make along the way. That's just part of it. But go. My neighbors. I moved into this neighborhood 11 years ago. And here we were, coming into an existing community. These guys were all friends with each other. And here we came. Hey, it's Mr. Community coming to town. You guys are so lucky that we're here. And they're just like, wow, dude, you're a little hyper and you got big wheels all over the yard and our kids are all in high school and you never cut your lawn and um, you got this big high top gross Dodge van that won't even fit in your garage and you're kind of trashing up the place. I didn't realize that that was a problem and my neighbors were all really nice to me. Oh yeah, yeah. I'd see them hanging out with each other but they'd be really nice to us. <laughs> Your kids are so cute. What do you have? Seven, eight, nine? No. <laughs> sure seems like it. And I would go around trying to be my neighbor's best friend. They didn't want me to be their best friend. Dude, I don't need a best friend. <laughs> I certainly don't need it to be you. 
Get away from my wife. <laughs> Someone told me one time, he's like, stop trying to be your neighbor's best friend. Be their best neighbor. Whoa. Stop trying to be your neighbor's best friend. Be, your best, be their best neighbor. Okay. That made sense to me. A best friend wants to get in people's lives and know the dirty secrets and, and share these intimate details. <sighs> my neighbors aren't interested in that with me. But how can I be a good neighbor? I can get up early in the winter and plow their sidewalk before they get a chance to. I can pick up the big wheels out of the front yard. I can actually mow my lawn and be a little bit concerned when 4,000 dandelions creep up that that might actually not look good to the neighbors. I can take care of things in such a way that would make them happy to be my neighbor. You can apply that to anything. My father-in-law. I've been trying to be my father-in-law's best friend for 15 years. And the more I try, the less he wants to have anything to do with me. <laughs> so I said, I'm going to stop trying to be my father-in-law's best friend. I'm going to be, be his best son-in-law. And I started focusing on just taking better care of his daughter and giving him opportunities to spend time with his grandkids. And I've always wanted to learn the game of backgammon, and he was just a phenomenal backgammon player down on the lakefront of Chicago back in the 70s. So one time I bought him a backgammon kit, a set, and I said, Dad, would you show me how to play backgammon? Well, I'll tell you what, man, we spent a half an hour him teaching me how to play backgammon. And what we shared in that half hour was more deep for him than the 15 years that I have spent trying to butter up to him. And I just let him lead me instead of me trying to lead him. And now when we get together, occasionally he'll look at me back him and we get to play and I've stopped trying to be his best friend and I've just started honoring and loving him for who he is and I realize that he's a pretty amazing man that's where I've grown remember we're not deserving of God's love but we're worthy of it because that's what God says God counts us worthy so let's not serve other people because they deserve it or because they've been nice to us. Let's do it because Jesus thinks they're worthy. I feel like my job on this planet, personally, is to let other people know how valuable they are. And I want to do whatever I can to let people know that. And you might think, well, how do you have time for that? I mean, you're, I got enough baggage as it is. You know what? Just because you have a need yourself doesn't disqualify you from giving to meeting someone else's need. I'm going to go off on this for a little bit. Just because you're in need yourself doesn't disqualify you from meeting someone else's need. You might be like, well, I am so in debt. I mean, you know, and, and, then, and then here's this person, you know, wanting money or over here, you know. You know what? God is big enough to actually, you could give that person money when you have need yourself and just see how God might provide for you in the middle of it. Because we're always going to be in need. 
I need a word from God. I need direction. I need to know what to do, you know. And, and when we're in that place, we're so self-absorbed that we can't even see the needs of other people. Well, God needs us to see the needs of other people because we're the ones that are going to meet those needs. He's going to represent himself through us. And so if we felt like we never had any advice to give because my life's falling apart right now, well, then this world would just close up shop. But God wants to use us in our weaknesses, in our shortcomings, in our failures, and in our tough spot. His economy is big enough where he can actually have something that he can give through you even when you're in need yourself. Well, I can't pray for you to be healed because I've been wrestling with this sciatic thing in my leg for 10 years, and what do I have? You know what? God doesn't care that you're carrying something yourself. That doesn't limit you from being able to pray for someone else. And when you reach out to someone else when you're in need yourself, God's glory is revealed when needs are being met. And he loves to reveal himself in those places where you feel like you've got nothing to give. And God says, watch this. I've got everything to give. The Lion King, back before Pixar, that was my favorite. You know, and, and little uh, Simba, you know, with the hyenas and stuff, you know, and they you know, he just thinks he's all tough. He's just this little cat, you know, and the, ah, oh, you're Mufasa's son, you know, and these, they're hilarious, these hyenas, you know, and um, they're just all over him, and, and he's, you know, and he, um, and little Simba gets up to roar, and you just hear, you have no idea where this came from. And it was, it was his father, Mufasa, the roaring lion standing right behind him. And these hyenas freaked and they fled. And they submitted to the authority that he brought. You know what? In that day, Simba realized that his authority didn't come because of his size or his stature or his gifts or his skills as a little cat. But it came from the one who was his father. And his father had all the power that he needed. And his father was the one that scared away the enemy. Just because you don't have a lot to give, like Simba didn't have a lot to give, you are a son of the living God, and God has a lot to give, and God is all about changing the world through people like you and me. Okay. I was at a pastor's gathering. If, that, if you haven't been asleep yet, this will put you to sleep. <laughs> I got invited to go to this pastor's gathering. We were praying for our national convention that we have, and... and uh, um, pastor Darrell was one of the, the pastors that were there. And, you know, most of these people are like head pastors of a church or leading, you know, big ministries and stuff. And, and here I am, you know, just some children's family pastor. You know, I think they needed me because I had the biggest van, you know. And uh, so we're up in middle of Wisconsin and, and we're having this time. And, and I'm just kind of honored, like, to be with these people. Wow, these guys, you know, a lot of them are older than me. These guys have really suffered a lot to do a good cause and they boy they've really stood the test of time and I really kind of admired them and so we're spending some time singing and um worshiping together and I was just kind of like wow it's pretty um pretty privileged to be here well um as we're just kind of just quietly praying together I had this picture come into my mind um of this pastor that was sitting next to me and it was a weird picture. But it was like, this picture kept coming. It was like one of those things where it's like, is there something wrong with your ear? You know, it's like, ah, oh, where did that come from? Or, you know, pray for him. You know, it's like, I, it's not like I heard a voice, but I just kept seeing this picture. 
and, and I just knew that I had to say something. So here I am, you know, I'm just the rental in this group, you know, here, and, uh, and these guys, you know, so I, I just said, um, excuse me, sir, can I, can I just cut in? Can I, I, know, I know you don't know me, but I'm just, I'm just seeing this picture of you, and I give this goofy picture, and, and he, as a good pastor, that didn't understand what I was doing. He kept his eyes closed and just kept nodding. Mm, mm. And you just don't know if it took or not. So I'm like, okay. And I sat back down and I'm like, that was weird. I think I did what you wanted me to, God. Well, then I had a picture of this other dude that was in the room. This other dude, <clears throat> this other reverend. Well, then I had this... these images were coming around to every person that I would put my hands on. And I'm like, okay, I'm not thinking of this stuff. And I'm standing over by Pastor Daryl, and here I am, I am just hating the fact that, like, who is this guy monopolizing this meeting with all of his hocus pocus? And I'm like, this stuff was so inside of me that I just had, I'm just the delivery boy. If this stuff's not God, then then never invite me back again, please. And so I get up to Daryl, and I, I don't even remember what I said, but, but I said I had this picture, and, and it involved a snow cone. I'm like, and I, I'm like, as I'm thinking, I'm like, I'm not going to say snow cone in front of all these people. So whatever it was, I, I told him what, I mean, I don't even remember it. But he came up to me, after that and since that, and he said, that is one of the most profound um, words from the Lord that I have ever heard. Praise God for snow cones. <laughs> you know what? I have no idea what happened that day. I don't know why I was chosen to share some of those things. But I went there desperately in need of a word for myself. I was kind of at a low place deciding some things. My children are weighing heavily on my heart and just which directions they're going. And I just came there as the van driver just to kind of get a free night in a hotel and some food and a swimming pool and just to kind of be invisible. And in the middle of all those needs that I had on my own, God chose to use me to reveal his love and his power to other people. And sometimes it just is a matter of going. Just getting going and being there. You guys, those are some of my stories. And I'm just an ordinary guy. I really do have a high school diploma, by the way, in case you're wondering. Went to Christian Life College. Graduated from here with a bachelor's degree. (laughs) I still can't spell bachelor, but I'm married, so it doesn't matter. You guys, you are loved. Just looking back at our day, you are loved by God. And you are qualified by him personally to influence the people around you and the people that you haven't even met yet. Extrovert, introvert, whatever your gift mix is, whatever you're good at, whatever you're bad at, God wants to use you to influence the people around you. We are God's plan. Like Pastor Darrell said, 
The church doesn't have a mission. Jesus is on a mission, and he has a church to accomplish it. Us. We are God's men. We are God's plan to represent Jesus to the world around us. The best way we can influence them is to represent his son. The world needs what you have to offer. So I want to encourage you to gather. If you're a part of a church, then dive into that church. Be a part of it. Don't just go for what you can get. Go for what you can give. And it's amazing what you'll receive when you go to serve. If you are a part of a men's group or if there's a Dads at Dave's local chapter here, first of all, send me the royalty check. But secondly, go involved and hang out with other people that are actually going to be influencing you towards greater things, not bringing you down. Then grow. Learn from your mistakes and get healthy. Some of us in this room need counseling. Get it. Seriously. Get healthy yourself so that you can really have something solid to give somebody else. But you don't have to wait till you're all perfect and healthy to give away to someone else because God's ready to give through you right now. And I just want to commend you guys. I just feel like I am here standing as part of an army of people that will influence and impact the world. God has big plans and he wants to use little people with big hearts. And go. Let's go from this place. And let's make a difference. Let's influence people with the gifts and the personality and the spheres and the places that God has given to each of us. We're God's plan and you're God's man to have his work done. Would you guys mind standing up again? If the guy next to you is sleeping, just nudge him. No one will ever know. Um, oh, if you have been challenged today through something that's taken place to be a greater influence as God's man I want to invite you to come up to this front I just want, I just want to pray for us all if you've been influenced today to be a greater influence yourself, I just want to invite you just to come up front and we're just going to gather here and I just want to pray for you. So uh, if that's weird or if this day was a so-so day, don't, you don't got to come. But if you've been challenged at some level to be a part of something greater than what you've experienced, I want you to come and join me. This is the part of the show where I get blue face paint on and mount a horse. But it wasn't in the budget. <laughs> All right. Lord, I pray that you'd put people's faces and names in our, in our minds and in our hearts. People that we need to influence and impact in ways that might not be as forceful as we'd like. But we want you to be the force that causes us to have an impact and an influence in their lives. Lord, I pray for the enemies in our lives, the bullies, the ones that just grit at us, our competition, uh, just the people that are hard to like. Would you allow us the grace to pray for those people that we don't even like? Because you died for them. 
as well. And God, I want to thank you for raising up an army in this place and in this region of men and young men who want to be used in our own weaknesses to make a powerful impact in the world around us. God, would you, I just impart as much as I can the the spirit and wisdom of God into each of these men and young men to go from this place to influence our homes, to influence our places of business, to influence our schools, to impact the culture around us, Lord, to influence our family, God, that you would help us to take every thought captive and make it obedient to what it is that you have in store for us. We say that we don't want to be hindered by our weaknesses and our failures and our shortcomings and our faults any longer. We are frail by design and we are messed up so that we could depend on you to do everything that we can. Thank you for this place and for this time together. Amen. Amen. Let's clap for God and I'm going to give this to Mark. Okay. Wow, you guys are close. Uh, no, that's okay. Um, this actually works out perfect. Um, see, this must have been God. Uh, Johnny wanted to take a group picture, and you're all here. So uh, I am going to have you guys, since you're here, uh, before we close, I'm going to have you kind of turn around, and we're just going to fill one, two, three rows across, and Johnny's going to get a picture of all of us. So thank you, David. Sound booth, guys, get down here. <laughs> Holy cow. All right. Daryl, no silly faces, okay? We'll do this. David, you don't have the microphone anymore. Be quiet. Good. Okay. Now sit down. <laughs> Not there. <laughs> All right. Home stretch, boys, home stretch here. Uh, I just before we leave, I want to um, I want to thank some people who really helped put this 